I also want to express my excitement about having the ability to use this audiobook format to help make the concepts in the compound effect come alive for you. You see, a printed book has some confinements as it requires strict guidelines of flow, pace, voice, and perspective. You have to color within the lines, so to speak. This isn't to mention the many editors taking their red pen sword and slashing away at my text. So in the final editing stages of the book, we had to cut several of the compelling stories, tips and insights from some of my favorite interviews with several of today's most amazing thought leaders. Well, I'm thrilled to tell you that as we take this journey together through the audiobook, I'm going to include back in those additional anecdotes and ideas from some of today's super achievers that I've had a chance to work with and interview. This will help reinforce, add clarity, depth, color, and texture to the key ideas we'll discover together in our trip through the compound effect. You will also learn how these critical principles have been utilized and lived out in the lives and success stories of the many extraordinary people you now read about in the pages of success and everywhere else. And one last note, on thecompoundeffect.com, I've provided you with a whole slew of additional and free downloadable printable resources that will further help you define your goals and help you track your progress so you can be sure the principles and the knowledge you'll gain are transferred into action and thus results in your life. Now, get ready to multiply your success, one simple step at a time. Before we jump into the introduction, let me exercise one of the important principles of the compound effect by paying gratitude to the two men who made me and this book possible. This book is dedicated to Jerry Hardy, my best man, my dad, the man who taught me the principles of the compound effect through his own life's example, and to Mr. Jim Rohn, my mentor, the man who taught me, amongst many things, to talk about things that matter to people who care. Introduction This book is about success and what it really takes to earn it. It's time somebody told it to you straight. You've been bamboozled for too long. There's no magic bullet, secret formula, or quick fix. You don't make $200,000 a year spending only two hours a day on the internet. Lose 30 pounds in a week. Rub 20 years off your face with a cream. Fix your love life with a pill. Or find lasting success with any other scheme that is too good to be true. Hey, wouldn't it be great if you could buy your success, fame, self-esteem, good relationships, health and well-being in a nicely clamshelled plastic package at the local Walmart. But that's not how it works. Look, we are constantly bombarded with increasingly sensational claims to get rich, get fit, get younger, get sexier, all overnight with little effort and for three easy payments of $39.95. These repetitive marketing messages have distorted our sense of what it really takes to succeed. We've lost sight of the simple but profound fundamentals of what it really takes to be successful. I'm tired of it. I won't sit back and watch these reckless messages derail people any longer. I wrote this book to take you back to the basics. I'm going to help you clear the clutter and bring focus to the core fundamentals that matter. 
you will be able to immediately implement in your life the exercises and time-tested principles this book contains to produce measurable and sustainable results. I'm going to teach you to harness the power of the compound effect, the operating system that has been running your life, for better or for worse, whether you know it or not. Use this system to your advantage and you truly can revolutionize your life. You've heard you can achieve anything you set your mind to, right? Well, only if you know how. The compound effect is the operator's manual that teaches you how to master the system. When you do, there's nothing you can obtain or achieve. So how do I know that the compound effect is the only process you need for ultimate success? Firstly, I've proven these principles to work in my own life, for real. Now, I hate it when authors beat their chest about their fame and fortune, but I think it's important that you know that I speak from personal experience, having done it myself. I'm offering you living proof, not regurgitated theory. The principles you'll read in this book are the reason why I was earning more than a million dollars a year by age 24 and built a company to do more than 50 million by age 27. For the past 20 years, I've been intensely studying success and human achievement. My own life has been a personal laboratory of such, of study and research. I've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars testing thousands of different ideas, resources, and philosophies. Through my own failings and triumphs, I've figured out which ideas and strategies have merit and which are sheer malarkey. My personal experience has proven that no matter what you learn or what strategy or tactic you employ, success comes as a result of the operating system of the compound effect. Secondly, for the past 16 years now, I've been a leader in the personal development industry, working closely with hundreds of top writers, speakers, and thought leaders. I've trained tens of thousands of entrepreneurs, advised many large companies, and personally mentored dozens of top CEOs and high-performance achievers. From thousands of those case studies, I've extracted what really matters and what works and what doesn't. Thirdly, as publisher of Success Magazine, I sift through thousands of article submissions and books, help choose the experts we feature in the magazine, review all of their material, and each month I interview a half dozen top experts on a multitude of success topics and drill down to their best ideas. All day, every day, I am consuming sorting, filtering, and wading through an ocean of personal achievement knowledge. Here's my point. When you have such an exhaustive view of an entire industry and the wisdom gained through studying the teachings and best practices of some of the world's most successful people, an amazing clarity emerges. The underlying fundamental truths become crystal clear. Having seen it, read it, and heard most of it, I can no longer be fooled by the latest gambit or self-proclaimed profit with the newest quote-unquote scientific breakthrough. Nobody can sell me on the latest gimmick. I have too many reference points. I've gone down too many roads and learned the truth the hard way. As my mentor, the great business philosopher Jim Rohn said, there are no new fundamentals. Truth is not new, it's old. You've got to be a little suspicious of the guy who says, hey, come over here. I want to show you my new manufactured antiques. No. You can't manufacture new antiques. They're old. What this book is about, with all the unnecessary noise, fat, and fluff removed, is what really matters. What really works. 
Those half a dozen basics that, if focused on and mastered, constitute the operating system that can take you to any goal you desire and help you live the life you were meant to live. This book contains those half a dozen fundamentals. They comprise the operating system called the compound effect. Let me put it to you as simply as I can, and it's this. Success is not doing 5,000 things really well. Success is doing a half dozen things really well 5,000 times. So the key then is, what are those half dozen things, and how do you do them really well? That is what this book details. Now, before we dig in, I do have one warning. Contrary to commercial promotion, earning success is hard. The process is laborious, tedious, sometimes even boring. Becoming wealthy, influential, and world-class in your field is slow and arduous. Don't get me wrong, though. You will see results in your life from following these steps almost immediately. But if you have an aversion to work, discipline, and commitment, you're welcome to turn the TV back on and put your hope in the next infomercial. You know, the one with the circus barker touting promises of overnight success, only if you have access to a major credit card and can call right now. Here's the bottom line. You already know all that you need to succeed. You don't need to learn anything more. If all we needed was more information, everyone with an internet connection would be living in a mansion, have abs of steel, and be blissfully happy. New or more information is not what you need. A new plan of action is. It's time to create new behaviors and habits that are oriented away from sabotage and toward success. It's that simple. You are about to discover a detailed, tangible plan of action. Let it shake up your expectations, eliminate your assumptions, ignite your curiosity, and bring value to your life, starting right now. This is the best of everything I've heard, seen, studied, and tried. It's the best of what we bring you every month in Success Magazine, all in one life-changing little book. And it is simple. So, are you ready? In good Jim Rohn fashion, if you're ready, say, I'm ready. Okay, let's get started. Chapter 1, The Compound Effect in Action You know that expression, slow and steady wins the race? Ever heard of the story of the tortoise and the hare? Ladies and gentlemen, I'm the tortoise. Give me enough time and I will beat virtually anybody, anytime, in any competition. Why? Not because I'm the best or the smartest or the fastest. I'll win because of the positive habits I've developed and because of the consistency I'll use in applying those habits. I'm the world's biggest believer in consistency. I'm living proof that it's the ultimate key to success. Yet, it's one of the biggest pitfalls for people struggling to achieve. Most people don't know how to sustain it. I do, and I have my father to thank for that. In essence, he was my first coach for igniting the power of the compound effect. I was a strange child, I admit. I think I was born an adult. My parents divorced when I was only 18 months old, and my dad raised me as a single father. He wasn't exactly the soft, nurturing type. He was a former university football coach, and he hardwired me for achievement. Thanks to Dad, wake-up calls were at 6 a.m. every morning. And not by a loving tap on the shoulder or even the soft sounds of a radio alarm. 
No, I was awakened each morning by the repetitious, pile-driving sound of iron pounding on the concrete floor of our garage, which was situated right next to my bedroom. It was like waking up 12 feet from a construction zone. He had painted a huge, no pain, no gain sign on the wall of the garage, which he stared at while he did his countless old-school strongman deadlifts, power cleans, lunges, and squats. Rain, sleet, or shine, Dad was out there in his shorts and tattered sweatshirt. He never missed a day. You could set your watch by his routine. I had more chores than a housekeeper and gardener put together. Upon returning from school, there was always a list of instructions to greet me. Pull weeds, rake leaves, sweep the garage, dust, vacuum, do the dishes, you name it. And getting behind in school wasn't tolerated. That's just the way it was. Dad was the original, no excuses guy. We weren't ever allowed to stay home from school sick unless we were actually puking, bleeding, or quote-unquote showing bone. The term showing bone came from his coaching days. His players knew that they weren't allowed to come out of the game unless they were seriously injured. One time his quarterback asked to be pulled out of a game and Dad said, not unless you're showing bone. The quarterback pulled back his shoulder pads and sure enough, his collarbone was sticking out of his neck skin. Only then was he allowed to come off the field. One of Dad's core philosophies was, It doesn't matter how smart you are or aren't. You need to make up in hard work what you lack in experience, skill, intelligence, or innate ability. If your competitor is smarter, more talented, or experienced, you just need to work three or four times as hard. You can still beat them. No matter what the challenge, he taught me to make up in hard work for wherever I might be disadvantaged. Miss free throws at the game? Do 1,000 free throws every day for a month. Not good at dribbling with your left hand? Tie your right hand behind your back and dribble for three hours a day. Behind in your math? Hunker down, hire a tutor, and work like hell all summer until you get it. No excuses. If you aren't good at something, work harder, work smarter. He walked his talk, too. Dad went from being a football coach to a top salesperson. From there, he became the boss and ultimately went on to own his own company but I wasn't given loads of instruction. From the beginning, Dad let us figure it out. He was all about taking personal responsibility. He didn't hammer on us every night about homework. We just had to show up with the results. And when you did, you were celebrated. If we got good grades, Dad would take us to this place called Prings, an ice cream parlor where you could get these giant king banana splits, six scoops of ice cream, and all the fixings. Sometimes my siblings didn't fare as well in school, so they didn't get to go. Getting to go was a big deal, so you worked your butt off to win the trip. Dad's discipline served as an example for me. Dad was my idol. I wanted him to be proud of me. I also lived in fear of disappointing him. One of his philosophies is, Be the guy who says no. It's no great achievement to go along with the crowd. Be the unusual guy. The extraordinary guy. That's why I never did drugs. He never harped on me about it, but I didn't want to be that guy who just went along because everybody else was doing it. And I didn't want to let Dad down. Thanks to Dad, by age 12, I had mastered a schedule worthy of the most efficient CEO. Sometimes I griped and moaned, hey, I was a kid. But even then, I secretly liked knowing that I had an edge over my classmates. Dad gave me a serious head start on the discipline and mentality it takes to be dedicated and responsible to achieve 
whatever I set out to achieve. Hey, it's no accident that the tagline of Success Magazine is what achievers read. Today, Dad and I joke about what an addictive overachiever he trained me to be. At 18, I was making a six-figure income in my own business. By age 20, I owned my own home in an upscale neighborhood. And as mentioned before, by age 24, my income grew to more than a million a year. And by age 27, I was officially a self-made millionaire with a business that brought in more than $50 million in revenue. That just about brings us to present day because I'm not yet 40 but have enough money and assets to last my family the rest of my life. To this, Dad says, Hey, there are a lot of ways to screw up a kid. At least my way was a pretty good one. You seem to have done pretty well. You haven't experienced the payoff of the compound effect. The compound effect is the principle of reaping huge rewards from a series of small, smart choices. Whether you're using this strategy for improving your health, relationships, finances, or anything else for that matter, the changes are so subtle, they're almost imperceptible. These small changes offer little or no immediate result, no big win, no obvious I told you so payoff. So why bother? Most people get tripped up by the simplicity of the compound effect. For instance, they quit after the eighth day of running because they're still overweight. Or they stop practicing the piano after six months because they haven't mastered anything other than chopsticks. Or they stop making contributions to their IRA only after a few years because they could use the cash. And it doesn't seem to be adding up to much anyway. What they don't realize is that these small, seemingly insignificant steps, completed consistently over time, will create a radical difference. Let me give you a few detailed examples. Before the examples, remember this formula. Small, smart choices plus consistency plus time equal radical difference. Visible. Now understand, it's the same small mathematical growth improvement each day that makes the compounded penny worth $10,737,418.24 on day 31. More than three times your three million. In this example, we see why consistency over time is more important. On day 29, you've got 3 million. Penny Lane has around 2.7 million. It isn't until day 30 that she pulls ahead with 5.3 million. And it isn't until the very last day of this month-long ultra marathon that your friend blows you out of the water and she ends up with the 10 million to your 3 million. Very few things are as impressive as the magic of compounding pennies. Amazingly, this force is equally powerful in every area of your life. Here's another example. Three friends. Let's take three buddies who all grew up together. They live in the same neighborhood with very similar sensibilities. Each makes around 50000 a year. They're all married. They have average health and body weight, plus a little bit of that dreaded marriage flab. Friend number one, let's call him Larry, plods along doing as he's always done. He's happy, or so he thinks, but complains occasionally that nothing ever changes. Friend number two, we'll call Scott. He starts making some small, seemingly inconsequential, positive changes. He begins reading 10 pages of a good book a day and listening to 30 minutes of something instructional or inspirational just on his commute to work. Scott wants to see changes in his life, but doesn't want to make a big fuss over it. 
He recently read an article with Dr. Mehmet Oz in Success Magazine and chose one idea from the article to start implementing in his life. He's going to cut out 125 calories from his diet every day. No big deal. We're talking about maybe a cup of cereal less, trading a can of soda for a bottle of seltzer, switching from mayo to mustard on a sandwich. All doable. He also started walking a couple extra thousand steps a day. Less than a mile. No grand acts of bravery or effort. Stuff anyone could do. But Scott is determined to stick with these choices, knowing that even though they're simple, he could also easily be tempted to abandon them. Friend number three, we'll call Brad. Brad starts making a few poor choices. He recently bought a new big screen TV so he can watch more of his favorite programs. He's been trying out some of those recipes he's seen on the Food Channel. You know, some of those cheesy casseroles and the desserts that are his favorites. Oh, and he installed a bar in his family room and added just one alcoholic drink per week to his diet. Nothing crazy. Brad just wants to have a little more fun. So, at the end of five months, there are no perceivable differences between Larry, Scott, or Brad. Scott continues to read a little bit every night and listens to audios during his commute. Brad is, quote-unquote, enjoying life and doing less. Larry keeps doing as he's always done. Even though each man has his own pattern of behavior, five months isn't long enough to see any real decline or improvement in their situation. In fact, if you charted the weight of the three men, you'd see a rounding error of zero. They look exactly equal. At the end of 10 months, and then again 15 months, we can't see any noticeable changes in any of their lives. It's not until we get to the end of the 18th month that the slightest differences are measurable in the appearances of the three friends. Even so, there's nothing of any valued consequence that they would recognize differing the three of them. But about month 25, we start seeing really measurable, visible differences. At month 27, we see an expansive difference. And by month 31, the change is startling. Brad is now fat while Scott is trim. By simply cutting out 125 calories a day, in just 31 months, Scott has lost 33 pounds. In case you're skeptical or curious, here's the math. 31 months equals 940 days. 940 days times 125 calories a day equals 117,500 calories saved. 117,500 calories saved times one pound divided by 3,500 calories equals 33 and a half pounds lost. Now, on the other side of the equation, Brad ate only 125 calories more, remember, as small as a bowl of cereal a day in the same time frame, and gained 33 and a half pounds. Now he weighs 67 pounds more than Scott, but the differences are more significant than weight. Scott invested almost 1,000 hours in reading good books and listening to self-improvement audios. By putting his newly gained knowledge into practice, he's earned a promotion and a raise. Best of all, his marriage is thriving. Brad, he's unhappy at work, and his marriage is on the rocks. And Larry, Larry is pretty much exactly where he was two and a half years ago, except now he's a little bit more bitter about it. By the way, let me jump off and talk a little bit more about Larry here. Larry represents the vast majority of people. They aren't climbing new heights and accomplishing great feats, and they aren't in a death spiral downward either. They are in what Tony Robbins called in our January 2009 interview in No Man's Land. He said, this is a place where you're not really happy, 
but you're not unhappy enough to do anything about it. That's a dangerous place. It's a place where people numb themselves to their dreams. It's where they dismiss hope and accept what's in front of them instead of driving towards what they really want in life. Don't ever be a Larry. Don't get stuck in the no man's land of complacency and status quo. There's no standing still. You are either green and growing or ripening and rotting. There really is no in-between. Okay, back to the book. The phenomenal power of the compound effect is simple. The difference between people who employ the compound effect for their benefit compared to their peers who allow the same effect to work against them is almost inconceivable. It looks miraculous, like magic or quantum leaps. After 31 months or 31 years, the person who uses the positive nature of the compound effect appears to be a overnight success. In reality, his or her profound success was a result of small, smart choices completed consistently over time. Get it? The ripple effect. The results in the previous example seem dramatic, I know, but it goes even deeper than that. The reality is that even one small change can have a significant impact that causes an unexpected and unintended ripple effect. Let's put one of Brad's bad habits under the microscope, eating rich food more frequently. To better understand how the compound effect can also work in a negative way and can create a ripple effect that impacts your entire life. Brad makes some muffins from a recipe he learned on the Food Channel. He's proud of it and his family loves it and so it seems to add value all around. He starts making them and other sweets frequently. He loves his own cooking and eats a little bit more than his share but not so much that anyone notices. However, the extra food makes Brad sluggish at night. He wakes up a little groggy, which makes him cranky. The crankiness and sleep deprivation begin to impact his work performance. He's less productive and as a result, gets discouraging feedback from his boss. By the end of the day, he feels dissatisfied with his job and his energy level is way down. The commute home seems longer and more stressful than ever. All of this makes him reach for even more comfort food. Stress has a way of doing that. The overall lack of energy makes Brad less likely to take walks with his wife like he used to. He just doesn't feel like it. She misses their time together and takes his withdrawal personally. With fewer shared activities with his wife and an absence of fresh air and exercise, Brad's not getting the endorphin release that would make him feel upbeat and enthusiastic. Because he's not as happy, he starts finding fault with himself and others and stops complimenting his wife. And his own body starts to feel flabby and he feels less self-confident, less attractive and becomes less romantic. Brad doesn't realize how his lack of energy and affection towards his wife affects her. He just knows that he feels funky. He starts losing himself in late night TV because it's easy and distracting. Feeling the distance, Brad's wife starts to complain, then becomes needy. When that doesn't work, she emotionally withdraws to protect herself. She's lonely. She pours her energy into her work and spends more time with her girlfriends to fulfill her need for companionship. Men start flirting with her, which makes her feel desirable again. Now, she would never cheat on Brad, but he has a feeling that something's wrong. Instead of seeing that his poor choices and behaviors are at the root of the problem, he finds fault with his wife. Believing that the other person is wrong rather than looking inside and doing the work necessary to clean up your mess is basic psychology 101 stuff. In Brad's case, he doesn't know to look inside. They don't offer self-improvement or relationship advice 
on Top Chef or his other favorite crime shows. Now, if he had read the personal development books his buddy Scott has read, maybe he would have learned about ways to change negative habits and start making vegetable juices instead of desserts, you know, at least some of the time. Unfortunately for Brad, the small choices he made on a daily basis created that ripple effect that wreaked havoc on every area of his life. Now, of course, all that calorie counting and intellectual stimulation has had the opposite effect with Scott, who's now reaping the bounty of positive results. It's that simple. With enough time and consistency, the outcomes become visible. Better yet, they're totally predictable. The compound effect is predictable and measurable, and that's great news. Isn't it comforting to know that you only need to take a series of tiny steps consistently over time to radically improve your life? Doesn't that sound easier than mustering up some grand show of bravery and heroic strength only to wear yourself out and have to drum up all that energy again at a later date for another try, which will most likely be unsuccessful as well? I'm exhausted just thinking about it. But that's what people do. We've been conditioned by society to believe in the effectiveness of great displays of massive effort. Heck, it's downright all-American. Success, old school. The most challenging aspect of the compound effect is that we have to keep working away at it for a while, consistently and efficiently, before we begin to see the payoff. Our grandparents knew this, though. They didn't spend their evenings glued to the TV watching infomercials about how to have thin thighs in 30 days or a real estate kingdom in six months. I bet your grandparents worked six days a week, from sun up to sundown, using the skills they learned in their youth and repeating them throughout their entire life. They knew the secret was hard work, discipline, and good habits. It's always interesting to me that wealth tends to skip a generation. Overwhelming abundance often leads to a lackadaisical mentality, which brings about a sedentary lifestyle. Children of wealth are especially susceptible. They weren't the ones who developed the discipline and character to create the wealth in the first place. So it makes sense that they might not have the same sense of value for wealth or understand what's necessary to keep it. We frequently see this entitlement mentality in children of royalty, movie stars, and corporate executives and to a lesser degree, in children and adults everywhere. As a nation, our entire populace seems to have lost appreciation for the value of a strong work ethic. We've had two, if not three generations of Americans who have known great prosperity, wealth, and ease. Our expectations of what it really takes to create lasting success, like grit, hard work, and fortitude, they just aren't alluring and thus have been mostly forgotten. We've lost respect for the strife and struggle of our forefathers. The massive effort they put forth instilled discipline, chiseled their character, and stroked the spirit to brave new frontiers. The truth is, complacency has impacted all great empires, including, but not limited to, the Egyptians, Greeks, Romans, Spanish, Portuguese, French, and English. Why? Because nothing fails like success. Once dominant empires have failed every time for this reason, people get to a certain level of success and get too comfortable. Having experienced extended periods of prosperity, health, and wealth, we become complacent. We stop doing what we did to get us there. 
We become like the frog in the boiling water that doesn't jump to his freedom because the warming is so incremental and insidious that he doesn't notice that he's getting cooked. If we want to succeed, we need to recover our grandparents' work ethic. It's time to restore our character, if not for the sake of saving America, at least for your own greater success and achievement. Don't buy into the genie in a lamp idea. You can sit on your couch, waiting to attract checks into your mailbox, rub crystals together, walk on fire, channel that 2,000-year-old guru, or chant affirmations if you want to, but much of that is hocus-pocus commercialism, manipulating you by appealing to your weaknesses. Real and lasting success requires work, and lots of it. I have a quick, real-time story to illustrate this nothing-fails-like-success concept. A great new restaurant opened up close to my home on the beach in San Diego. In the beginning, the place was always immaculate. The hostess had a big welcoming smile for everyone. The service was impeccable. The manager always came over to assure it. And the food was sensational. Soon people lined up to eat there and would often wait more than an hour to be seated. Then, unfortunately, the restaurant staff began to take its success for granted. The hostess became snooty, the service staff disheveled and curt, and the food hit or miss. The place was out of business within 18 months. They failed because of their success, or rather, because they stopped doing what made them successful to begin with. Their success clouded their perspective and they slacked off. Microwave mentality. Understanding the compound effect will rid you of the instant results expectation. The belief success should be as fast as your fast food, your one hour glasses, your 30 minute photo processing, your overnight mail, your microwave eggs, your instant hot water and text messaging. Enough, okay? Promise yourself that you're going to let go, once and for all, your lottery winner expectations. Because, let's face it, you only hear the stories about the one winner, not the millions of losers. That person you see jumping up and down in front of the Vegas slot machine or at the horse track race doesn't reveal the hundreds of times that same person lost. If we go back to our mathematical chance of a positive result again, we have a rounding error of zero, as in, you have about zero chance of winning. Harvard psychologist Daniel Gilbert, author of Stumbling on Happiness, says, if we gave lottery losers each 30 seconds on TV to announce not, I won, but I lost, it would take almost nine years to get through the losers of a single drawing. When you understand how a compound effect works, you won't pine for quick fixes or silver bullets. Don't try to fool yourself into believing that a mega-successful athlete didn't live through regular, bone-crushing drills and thousands of hours of practice. He got up early to practice and kept practicing long after others had stopped. He faced the sheer agony and frustration of the failure, loneliness, hard work, and disappointment it took to become number one. By the end of this book, or even before, I want you to know it in your bones that the only path to success is through a continuum of mundane, unsexy, unexciting, and sometimes difficult daily disciplines compounded over time. Know, too, that the results, the life, and the lifestyle of your dreams can be yours when you put the compound effect to work for you. 
If you use the principles outlined in the compound effect, you will create a fairy tale ending. Okay, have I made my point? Good. Now, before we go into the next chapter, I want to remind you that in the book, I provide you with a summary of action steps, taking the key principles that we've covered in chapter one, so you can start integrating them into your life. Remember this, knowledge is not power. It's potential power. It's like energy in a light switch. Until you turn it on, taking action, the power is useless. Knowledge uninvested is wasted. Or as Jim Rohn would say, ideas without action leads to delusion. So don't forget to go back, capture the key points, and start taking action on them today. Now coming up in the next chapter, we will focus on the one thing that controls your life. Every victory or defeat, triumph or failure has started with this. Everything you have or don't have in your life right now has been because of this. Learn to change this and you can change your life. Let's discover what this is. Chapter 2 Choices We all come into this world the same, naked, scared, and ignorant. After that grand entrance, the life we end up with is simply an accumulation of all the choices we make. Our choices can be our best friend or our worst enemy. They can deliver us to our goals or send us orbiting into a galaxy far, far away. Think about it. Everything in your life exists because you first made a choice about something. Choices are at the root of every one of your results. Each choice starts a behavior that over time becomes a habit. Choose poorly and you just might find yourself back at the drawing board forced to make new, often harder choices. Don't choose at all and you've just made the choice to be the passive receiver of whatever comes your way. In essence, you make your choices and then your choices make you. Every decision, no matter how slight, alters the trajectory of your life. Whether or not you go to college, who you marry, to have that last drink before you drive, to indulge in gossip or stay silent, to make one more prospecting call or call it a day, to say I love you or not. Every choice has an impact on the compound effect of your life. This chapter is about becoming aware of and making choices that support the expansion of your life. Sounds complicated, I know, but you'll be amazed by its simplicity. No longer will 99% of your choices be unconscious. No more will most of your daily routines and traditions come as a reaction to your programming. You'll ask yourself and be able to answer, how many of my behaviors have I not voted on? What am I doing that I didn't consciously choose to do, yet continue to do every day? By employing the same idiot-proof strategies I've used to catapult my own life and career, strengthened by the compound effect, you'll be able to loosen up the mysterious grip of these things that are unwinding your life and pulling you in the wrong direction. You'll be able to hit the pause button before stumbling into idiot territory yourself. You'll experience the ease of making decisions that lead to behaviors and habits that support you every time. Your biggest challenge isn't that you've intentionally been making bad choices. Heck, that would be easy to fix. 
Your biggest challenge is that you've been sleepwalking through your choices. Half the time, you're not even aware that you're making them. Our choices are often shaped by our culture and upbringing. They can be so entwined in our routine behaviors and habits that they seem beyond our control. For instance, have you ever been going about your business, enjoying your life, when all of a sudden you made a stupid choice or a series of small choices that ultimately sabotaged your hard work and momentum, all for no apparent reason? You didn't intend to sabotage yourself, but by not thinking about your decisions, weighing the risks and potential outcomes, you found yourself facing unintended consequences. Nobody intends to become obese, go through bankruptcy, or get a divorce. But often, if not always, those consequences are a result of a series of small, poor choices. Elephants don't bite. Have you ever been bitten by an elephant? How about a mosquito? See, it's the little things in life that will bite you. Occasionally, we see big mistakes, threaten to destroy a career or a reputation in an instant. The famous comedian who rants racial slurs during a stand-up routine. The drunken anti-Semitic antics of a once-celebrated humanitarian. The anti-gay rights senator caught soliciting gay sex in a restroom. The admired female tennis player who uncharacteristically threatens an official with a tirade of expletives. Clearly, these types of poor choices have major repercussions. But even if you've pulled a whopper like that in your past, it's not the extraordinary massive steps backwards or the tragic single moments that we're concerned with here. For most of us, it's the frequent, small, and seemingly inconsequential choices that are of grave concern. I'm talking about the decisions you think don't make any difference at all. It's those little things that inevitably and predictably derail your success. Whether they're boneheaded maneuvers, no biggie behaviors, or are disguised as positive choices, those are especially insidious, these seemingly insignificant decisions can completely throw you off course because you're not mindful of them. You get overwhelmed, space out, and become unaware of the little actions that take you way off course. The compound effect works all right. It always works, remember? But in this case, it works against you because you're unaware of what you're doing. You're sleepwalking. For instance, you inhale a soda and a bag of potato chips suddenly realize only after you've polished off the last chip that you blew an entire day of healthy eating and you weren't even hungry. You get caught up and lose two hours watching mindless TV. Scratch that. Let's give you some credit and make it a educational documentary before realizing you spaced out preparing for an important presentation to land a valuable client. You blurt out a knee-jerk lie to a loved one for no good reason, when the truth would have worked just fine. What's going on? You've allowed yourself to make a choice without thinking, and as long as you're making choices unconsciously, you can't consciously choose to change that ineffective behavior and turn it into productive habits. It's time to wake up and make empowering choices. Thanksgiving year-round. It's easy to point fingers at others, isn't it? I'm not getting ahead because of my lame boss. I would have gotten that promotion if it hadn't been for that backstabbing co-worker. I'm always in a bad mood because my kids are driving me crazy. And we are particularly gifted in the finger-pointing department when it comes to our romantic relationships, you know, where the other person is the one who needs to change. 
A few years back, a friend of mine was complaining about his wife. From my observation, she was a terrific lady, and he was lucky to have her, and I told him as much. But he continued to point out all the ways that she was responsible for his unhappiness. That's when I shared an experience that literally changed my marriage. One Thanksgiving, I decided to keep a Thanksgiving journal for my wife. Every day for an entire year, I logged at least one thing that I appreciated about her. It could be as simple as the way she interacted with her friends, how she cared for our dogs, the fresh bed she prepared, a succulent meal that she whipped up, or just the beautiful way that she styled her hair that day, whatever. I looked for the things my wife was doing that touched me or revealed attributes, characteristics, or qualities that I appreciated. I wrote them all down secretly for an entire year. By the end of that year, I had filled an entire journal. When I gave it to her the following Thanksgiving, she cried, calling it the best gift she'd ever received, and even better than the BMW I'd given her that year for her birthday. The funny thing was this, the person most affected by this gift was me. All that journaling forced me to focus on my wife's positive aspects. I was consciously looking for all the things that she was doing right. That heartfelt focus overwhelmed anything that I might have otherwise had to complain about. I fell deeply in love with her all over again, maybe even more than ever as I was seeing the subtleties in her nature and behavior instead of just her more obvious qualities. My appreciation, gratitude, and intention to find the best in her was something that I held in my heart and eyes each day. This caused me to show up differently in my marriage, which of course made her respond differently to me. Soon I had even more things to write in my Thanksgiving journal. As a result of choosing to take a mere five minutes every day or so to document all the reasons why I was grateful for her, we experienced one of the best years of our marriage, and it's only gotten better. After I shared my experience, my friend decided to keep a Thanksgiving journal about his wife. Within the first few months, he completely turned around his marriage. Choosing to look for and focus on his wife's positive qualities changed his view of her, which changed how he interacted with her. As a result, she made different choices about the way she responded to him. The cycle perpetuated, or shall we say, compounded. Let me jump off script here for a second. Before we move past the concept of gratitude, let me pass on a little tip Montel Williams shared with me that I've incorporated into my life that's really helped my mind focus on the abundance and blessings I enjoy. I use this strategy right before I go to sleep so that my mind spends the night conjuring up ways to create more abundance and blessings. Here's what Montel told me. He said, put a little piece of paper by your bed with a pen. I use a journal so I can archive these great thoughts. And before you go to sleep, I want you to write down three things that happened today that you're thankful for. And as I will explain later, I also write down any unique observations about people, life, or myself, or what I call aha ideas, quotes, or insights collected from the day. Another insight from John Maxwell is to not only identify and enjoy the feeling of being grateful, but also express that feeling to others. Let me read to you what he said to me backstage at an interview at one of our success symposiums. He said, you know, our attitude is a choice and to be grateful is a choice. And I know a lot of people who have a lot of blessings that aren't really grateful. I also know a lot of people who have very little and are very grateful. So it's not what you have. It's not possessions. It's not where you've arrived positionally. 
I think it's a spirit, and the attitude of gratitude to me is saying there have been others in my life that have done things for me I couldn't have done for myself. And the way to express, I think, indebtedness to people is by being grateful to them. The person that says, well, I'm grateful, I've just never expressed it, that's not adding value to anyone. Key point, John. So the lesson here is not only look for what you appreciate, but give that appreciation to others. And as the saying goes, what you appreciate, appreciates. Let's get back to the book. Owning 100%. We are all self-made men and women, but only the successful take credit for it. I was 18 when I was introduced to the idea of personal responsibility at a seminar, and that concept completely transformed my life. If you threw out the rest of this book and only practiced this one concept, within two or three years, the changes in your life would be so great, your friends and family would have a difficult time remembering the old you. In that seminar that I attended at 18, the speaker asked, what percentage of shared responsibility do you have in making a relationship work? Now, I was a teenager, so wise in the ways of true love, of course I had all the answers. 50-50, I blurted out. It was obvious, right? Both people must be willing to share the responsibility evenly or someone's going to get ripped off. 51-49, yelled someone else, arguing that you have to be willing to do a little bit more than the other person. Aren't relationships built on self-sacrifice and generosity? 80-20, yelled another. The instructor turned to the easel and wrote 100-0 on the paper in big black letters. You have to be willing to give 100% with zero expectation of receiving anything in return, he said. Only when you're willing to take 100% responsibility for making the relationship work, will it work. Otherwise, a relationship left to chance will always be vulnerable to disaster. Whoa, this was not what I was expecting. But I quickly understood how this concept could transform every area of my life. If I always took 100% responsibility for everything I experienced, completely owning all of my choices and all the ways in which I responded to whatever happened to me, I held the power. Everything was up to me. I was responsible for everything I did, didn't do, or how I responded to what was done to me. I know you think you take responsibility for your life. I have yet to ask anyone who doesn't say, of course I take responsibility for my life. But when you look at how most people operate in the world, there's a lot of finger pointing, victimhood, blaming, and expecting someone else or the government to solve their problems. If you've ever blamed the traffic because you're late or decided that you're in a bad mood because of something your kid, spouse, or coworker did, you're not taking 100% responsibility. You arrived late because your printer was busy? Maybe you shouldn't have waited until the last minute. Your coworker messed up the presentation? Shouldn't you have double-checked it before delivering it? Not getting along with your unreasonable team? There are countless fantastic books and classes to help you learn how to deal. You alone are responsible for what you do, don't do, or how you respond to what's done to you. This empowering mindset revolutionized my life. Luck, circumstances, or the right situation wasn't what mattered. If it was to be, it was up to me. I was free to fly. 
no matter who was elected president, how badly the economy tanked, or what anybody said, did, or didn't do, I was still 100% in control of me. Through choosing to be officially liberated from the past, present, and future victimhood, I hit the jackpot. I had the unlimited power to control my destiny. Getting lucky. Maybe you believe you're simply just unlucky. But really, that's just another excuse. The difference between becoming fabulously rich, happy and healthy, or broke, depressed and unhealthy is the choices you make throughout your life. Nothing else will make the difference. Here's the thing about luck. We are all lucky. If you are on the right side of the dirt, have your health and a little food in your cupboard, you are incredibly lucky. Everyone has the opportunity to be lucky. Because beyond having the basics of health and sustenance, luck simply comes down to a series of choices. When I asked Richard Branson if he felt luck played a part in his success, he answered, yes, of course, we're all lucky. If you live in a free society, you are lucky. Luck surrounds us every day. We are constantly having lucky things happen to us whether you recognize it or not. I have not been any more lucky or unlucky than anyone else. The difference is when luck came my way, I took advantage of it. Ah, spoken like a man knighted with wisdom. While we're on the topic, it's my belief that the old adage we often hear, luck is when opportunity meets preparation, isn't enough. I believe there are two other critical components to luck. The complete formula for getting lucky. Here's the formula. Preparation, personal growth, plus attitude, belief and mindset, plus opportunity, that good thing coming your way, plus action, doing something about it, equals luck. Let's go through them one by one. Preparation. By consistently improving and preparing yourself, your skills, knowledge, expertise, relationships, and resources, you have the wherewithal to take advantage of great opportunities when they arise, or as Richard Branson said, when luck strikes. Then you can be like Arnold Palmer, who told us in his Success Magazine feature February 2009, it's a funny thing, the more I practice, the luckier I get. Attitude. This is where luck evades most people and where Sir Richard is spot on with his belief that luck is all around us. It's simply a matter of seeing situations, conversations, circumstances as fortuitous. You cannot see what you don't look for, and you cannot look for what you don't believe in. Opportunity. It is possible to make your own luck, but the luck I'm talking about here isn't planned for, or it comes faster or differently than expected. In this stage of the formula, luck isn't forced. It's a natural occurrence and often shows up seemingly of its own accord. And action. This is where you come in. However, this luck was delivered to you from the universe, God, the lucky charms, leprechaun, or from whomever or whatever you associate delivering your good fortune. It's now your job to act on it. This is what separates the Richard Bransons from the Joseph Wallingtons. Joseph who? Exactly. You've never heard of him. That's because he failed to take action on all the lucky things that happened to him. So, no more whining about the cards you were dealt, the great defeats you suffered, or any other circumstances. 
Countless people have had more disadvantages and greater obstacles than you, and yet they're wealthier and more fulfilled. Luck is an equal opportunity distributor. Lady Luck shines on us all, but rather than having your umbrella drawn, you gotta have your face to the sky. When it comes down to it, it's all you, baby. There's no other way around it. The high price of tuition at UHK, University of Hard Knocks. Nearly a decade ago, I was asked to be a partner in a new startup venture. I invested a considerable sum of money into the deal and worked tirelessly on it for nearly two years before finding out that my partner had mismanaged and squandered all the cash. I lost more than $330,000. I didn't try to sue him. In fact, I lent him more money later for a personal situation. The bottom line was the loss was my fault. I agreed to be his partner without doing enough due diligence on his background and personal character. During our time in business, I wasn't inspecting what I was expecting. I could justify it by saying I trusted him, but the truth was I was guilty of being lazy by not watching the finances more diligently. Not only had I made the choice to start this relationship and business, but I also made the choices to ignore the obvious red flags and warning signs. Because I chose not to be completely responsible for the business, in the end, I was responsible for the results. When I learned of the wrongdoings, I chose not to lose any more time fighting it. Instead, I licked my wounds, learned my lesson, and moved on. In hindsight, I'd make the same choice to pick up and move on again today. I now challenge you to do the same. No matter what has happened to you, take complete responsibility for it. Good or bad, victory or defeat, own it. My mentor Jim Rohn said, the day you graduate from childhood to adulthood is the day you take full responsibility for your life. Today is graduation day. From this day forward, choose to be 100% responsible for your life. Eliminate all of your excuses. Embrace the fact that you are freed by your choices, as long as you assume personal responsibility for them. It's time to make the choice to take control. Your secret weapon, your scorecard. I'm about to walk you through one of the single greatest strategies I've ever used in my personal development. This strategy helps me take control of the choices I make throughout the day, causing everything else to fall into place and leading to behaviors and actions that shepherd my habits in line like dutiful, loyal minions. Right this moment, pick an area of your life where you most want to be successful. Do you want to have more money in the bank? A trimmer waistline? the strength to compete in an Ironman event, a better relationship with your spouse or kids. Picture where you are in that area right now. Now picture where you want to be. Richer, thinner, happier, you name it. The first step towards change is awareness. If you want to get from where you are to where you want to be, you have to start becoming aware of the choices that lead you away from your desired destination. Become very conscious of every choice that you make today so you can begin to make smarter choices moving forward. To help you become aware of your choices, I want you to track every action that relates to the area of your life you want to improve. If you've decided you want to get out of debt, you're going to track every penny you pull out of your pocket. If you've decided you want to lose weight, you're going to track everything that you put into your mouth. 
If you decided to train for an athletic event, 